0: feel like worshiping? Ever not feel the presence of the Lord? Like, wow, they're feeling it up there. I'm not. When, you, when that happens, rejoice, because this is your opportunity to sacrifice. And the praise that comes from a sacrifice, I tell you, way bigger than anybody that's feeling it. Amen? David said, forgive me, Lord. I, will, I refuse to give God anything that doesn't cost me something. Even in our praise, it should cost us something. All right. Okay. <laughs> it's such a good day at church already. Oh, We were right. Some of you guys weren't here yet, but at the beginning of the service, it was like you could feel the room. like It was like something was going to happen. And it did. I, I feel like I feel like something happened, you guys. Like, it's it's like it's New Year today. It's the number of grace in the New Year. It's the number of open doors in the New Year. Man, all right. <laughs> we don't have a three-hour service, Jesse. Just keep going. Okay. <laughs> all right. I want to read you something briefly, and we'll get started. Uh-huh. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna read you uh, 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 about a church. <laughs> it was fun. Oh, did we pray it? We kind of did. Um, Father, help us. Help us, Lord. Oh. If you missed Saturday, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, I know sometimes I don't look real serious up here. Um. But joy is the serious work of heaven. Um, and I'm, people ask me today, like, how are you doing? And I just kept telling them, I'm happy. I'm happy. My life's not perfect. I got plenty of problems. But I'm happy because he's good. That'll set you free. Um, but listen to last week's service. Um, we talked about like what God's been doing. We talked about encounters that God that we've been having, our staff. And it's, um, I can't tell you guys just how, ex- I mean, I forget that you guys don't get to hear all the stories. And if you heard the stories, um, you just be in awe of what God's doing here. Oh, a <laughs> little Mia girl. She was sitting on my lap earlier at a soccer game. <laughs> She was bouncing on me. And then she gets up, and Ari goes, yuck. And there was poop all over my pants. <laughs> she literally bounced it right out onto my pants. At the soccer field, I had to go home. It was horrible. <laughs> but she's so cute. <laughs> I think that's the Lord right there, isn't it? Oh, look at him. He's so you're getting poop everywhere, but you're so cute. I love you. Come here. Give me a hug. You smell like poop. Let, let me wash you clean. <laughs> again. <laughs> and again. I wish you were out of diapers, but you're not. But that's okay, because I love you. And you're cute. All right. I do wish you was out of diapers, but not yet. Um, clearly not yet. <laughs> Ari just kept saying, Dad, that's disgusting. I'm like, thanks, buddy. Um, <laughs> sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm working on my filter. It's not helping, though. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. We will keep moving. I, I want you to know, though, the vision of this church is Jesus. If, if you want to know, I will, I will get better at saying it, 10 different ways, but the mission, the vision of this whole church is Jesus. And what does that mean? Well, it means a lot of stuff, but it means, it means taking this world with his hands, his light. It means, it means our goal when we come together. It means to figure out what, who Jesus is. So it's when we come together, we're, we're worshiping him, not because he requires it, because when we worship, when we become like him. When we worship him, we're confronted with all of our not wanting to worship him moments. And we say, Jesus, you're worth worshiping. I want to know why. I want to see you as you are, high and lifted up. You get me? So that's what it means. To, the, the vision is Jesus. The vi- but Jesus didn't just hang out in temples. He went out and laid hands on the sick. And so our vision is to go bring the light into dark places. Yes? Yes? All right. I will keep trying to say that again and again and we'll just all keep saying it but that is the mission the mission is to look like Christ to act like him not just love him but learn about him so that, so that every moment of your day you smell like him and you walk like him and you talk like him oh thank you thank you <laughs> Thank you. As if I need more microphones. (laughs) Okay, so that's good. Father, I love you. Amen. Let's do this. Um, Imagine a church, okay? Imagine this church. I'm about to describe to you this church. You ready? Members sue each other before civil courts. Others habitually attend social banquets honoring the strange gods, mere idols. One brother lives in open immorality, and the church tolerates it. Others think it would be better for Christian couples to separate so they could be more holy. Their worship services are shocking, anything but edifying. Speakers, Speakers in tongues know no restraint. People come drunk to the Lord's Supper where they shy off into exclusive groups, each bragging about its favorite preacher. Visitors get the impression they're mad. Some doubt the resurrection And many have reneged on their financial pledges. Was there ever such a church? Yes. What's more, its founder and pastor for a year and a half was the Apostle Paul. (laughs) What church are we talking about? Corinthians. The church of Corinth. You want to throw the slide up there? I got a couple slides because I love you. And... um, no, 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 don't. You're too quick for me. There we go. So we're going we're to begin a series on the, the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, Micah and I, and I think one other person, uh, we're going we're gonna to start just chewing away at 1 Corinthians. Um, this first day, I just wanted to lay some foundations. Um, here's what I learned. I learned that when we read the Bible, maybe you're not like me, but when I read the Bible, sometimes I read it really disconnected to the culture that's going on. Because it's just good. You just open the Bible anywhere and just start reading. And you're like, this is giving me hope. But when you read it with him, you begin to understand it. You guys ever seen the Chosen series, The Chosen? If you haven't, do, do, do yourself a favor go watch it. But what I, what I, as I watch the series, that if you don't, who does not know what The Chosen is? Raise your hand couple of people? Okay, The Chosen, it's, it's a, it, help him out, okay? Amen. Okay, listen, it, it, it's, a, it's a series that basically follows Jesus and his disciples through the gospel. And as I'm watching this, it's giving me context of what the scriptures are saying. And so when I go back to read the scriptures, I'm reading about the same thing. And I see what it might have been like for Jesus to say, Matthew, son of Alphaeus, follow me. And because I, I got to, I mean, I, I know imagination is beautiful, but to see it in that context and the context that Matthew was a, was a tax collector and what that would have been like for him to live. And the whole, all the context of the scripture, it was good before, it was plenty. But now it's just like, I feel like it's living in a whole nother way. Does that make sense? And so I want to, as we're, as we're, since we're going through this, I want to just paint a picture of what Corinth, what Paul, who was Paul talking about? What was this church about? Why is there a whole, why is there a whole section devoted to love? Why is there a sec- Why is there so much talking about talking in tongues? Right? And so we're going to get into that a little bit. So let me, um, let me read from my notes a little bit just because I, I had to do research because I'm not the scholarly type in all ways. But um, I love it that we, we call this a passionate people, unrestrained. Because the Corinthians, man, they were passionate. They were passionate. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to go through, this. we're not going to go through like verse by verse, although I'm going to start with chapter one, but we're going to, we're, we're going to as a whole, because you know, the, the, the letter of Corinthians, the letter to the Corinthian church, didn't, it wasn't like, we don't read as if like folded when Paul planted it. It's literally, it, well here's, um, it's going to get my notes out of order, but so, the way it happened is that Paul came to Corinth, came, came to Corinth, um, let's, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Go to the next slide. Let's, let's just start with, with the city of Corinth. So it, the city of Corinth was actually in an area that we would call today called Greece. It lies on an isthmus. Say isthmus. That's just a fun word. <laughs> it, which is basically, it's, it's a narrow body of land between the two bodies of water. And so uh, on one side, you have the Gulf of Corinth. The other side, you have the Saronic Gulf. And so you have two main bodies of water. So this was like a major like trading part. In fact, what would happen is, you, you'd have boats that instead of going all the way around, I don't have a bigger map, but instead of going all the way around um, to, um, to the north area, they would stop in at um, Ismia, or where, that, the, the port right there, and they would literally unload their cargo, walk it the four miles to the other side, and load another boat and take off. And so it'd save money, and it would save them from a dangerous journey. And so if you can picture this, two main ports. Look at San Francisco. It's got one port. I grew up in Seattle. One port. This has two major ports of that region. It was a military spot. It was an area of um, massive trade and mercantile. And so you had all all these different cultures coming together. And because of this... Corinth was this massive place of diversity. If if you don't like this kind of stuff, just tune out. I'll read the scripture later. If you geek out on this stuff like um, I do and my wife does, um, this is really fun. So, because of its this was like a a melting pot of cultures. Um, Each culture brought their own religion, their own um, way of looking at money, their own morals or lack of them. This was like, one one commentator said Corinth was almost could could be like L.A or even Las Vegas, a little bit more extreme. It was like this, this center where it had like Jews, pagans, Romans, Orientals, tradesmen, landowners, slaves, all mingled together freely. Um, in, in the new Testament world, few cities exceeded Corinth in the commercial, political, social significance. So Paul came here and did his normal plan of church in a strategic location, and, and so Christianity could spread. So this is why this was such a big deal. Okay? People would use the term, this is so fascinating, Corinthianized, Like, oh, you're going to Corinthianize them, which means that to live a life of drunken immorality. Right? The very city, the very people group became synonymous for, <laughs> oh, they're Las Vegas, right? Oh, they're, oh, <laughs> they're, la- and so it became like this, uh, it was just synonymous to all of that. Um, atop one of the main hills. So there was, there was all these gods. There was Greek gods. There was temples everywhere. And one of the main ones was the temple of Aphrodite. And so, uh, and, and in this temple was, uh, some would say almost a 1,000 prostitutes and priestesses. a 1,000. Like, this is not that, I mean, it's a big city, but oh my goodness. And so this became one of the main things that Corinth was, was known for. And, um, and it's, it's no wonder that Paul, Spends a lot of time in his letters talking about this idea of sexual immorality. Right? Earmuffs, Mia. Earmuffs. Um, I'm, I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, so. In, in, in ancient Greek, they would use the term Corinthian, like we would call someone like a playboy or a womanizer, like a, th- th- those kind of people. And so it's just fascinating that these were the people. There, there was a major, there was also, they also had this big, uh, so there was the Olympic Games in Greece, and second to the, to the Olympics was the Isthmian Games. And so, and they were held here, and it was so, it was, it was this whole area, that there was they were all about the human body, the physique, like you know athletics, and so you have you have this whole athletic theme too, where Paul later talks about right like I run the race to win it, right I beat the air not for not for no reason, but to and so, and so there's a that Paul talks about he's connected with the different parts of culture, right um, and, and I love it one of the one of my favorite things is it says that if um, one of the major one of the major phrases that someone would say that if um, uh, the, the purpose of Corinth was either making money or making love. And that's what it was known for. That's the city that we're gonna be talking about. Paul spent, um, uh, he spent a year and a half in Corinth planting the church. Now before that, he was in, um, he was in Athens and he was speaking to the Bereans. And so he, he, was, he, was, uh, he, was, he was using all this like really... Uh, intelligent language, uh, you know, to, to, to the Bereans and all that stuff. Well, he comes to Corinth, which Corinth was also a major center of, of intelligence. And so you had all these, like, philosophical thinkers. And we're going to see that today, that Paul, actually, he decided a different tactic when he came to Corinth. Instead of trying to get all philosophical, he says, I'm going to get really, I, I'm, I'm going to get foolish I'm going to come in not with fancy speech but with the power of God. And so I know I love your heads are nodding. That's helpful. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> And so Paul's coming into Corinth. So he comes into Corinth and he, he sets up shop. He's preaching in the temples as he does. And, and he starts to preach. And he's there for 18 months, over a year and a half. And then he leaves, at planning the church, and he leaves it with the people. And so he is, he's away from there and he's preaching. Actually, you can read about this in Acts. It actually talks about Paul going to Corinth and preaching. Well, later on, he's in Ephesus. And, and, this, and this woman... Uh, named Chloe. She's got a house church in Corinth, and, and she's getting a little, I'm just my own, just kind of Jesse's, you know, uh, character of this, but she's seeing what's going on in the body. She's probably a pastor, an overseer, and, and it's a kind of Chloe's house church, and she says, you know what, this is getting out of hand. We need, we, need, we need some help, and so she sends someone to Paul in Ephesus, and this person then tells Paul all that's been going on, And so he, as a result, writes a letter. Actually, he writes four or five letters. And I think five, four or five. And two of them, actually, they say they've been lost. So there's two of the letters that are referenced in this book and another book that we don't know what happened to them. But we have 1 Corinthians. And then we have a second letter called? You guys are doing great. You guys are doing great. All right, well, let's, let's jump in. There's a lot of themes in this book, and, and so Mike and I, are just gonna, we're going to go after a bunch of them. Um, we, we don't do a lot of series in this church, um, mostly because I, we just, I feel like the Lord's always leading us somewhere, but I, I feel like series are really good, and we love them. And to be honest, I wanted to spend time just letting the Word preach to us. Amen? Amen. All right. Did I have another slide? I did. Okay, I thought I did. Ha I need to worry about it. So you can see Corinth. This, this would have been a good first side. But you see where Corinth is in the big picture of everything. And so you can see this little spot right here. Instead of like sailing, right? And we're not talking about our little like our sailboats, their sailboats. So instead of sailing all the way around that whole area, they can just a little four miles. It literally, I forgot to say this. If the boats were small and light enough, they literally unpacked them and dragged them across the isthmus. Isthmus, isn't that amazing? They literally dragged boats four miles to suck, to cut off that whole. That's amazing. Oh, that's just fun to hear. Okay, let's jump in. Um, <clears throat> you guys got your Bibles? Pull them out if you got them. Oh, babies, you gotta love them. I've always said this, God made babies cute, so we keep them. (laughs) It's just me, I guess. Okay. Um. Uh, First Corinthians. Okay. We got in time. Cool. I I don't know how long we're going to go. There's some stuff I want to talk about, but we're just going to let the word preach. I'm just going to, we're going to hit as we go. One of my favorite messages, if I remember right, was, uh, I don't think Jimmy's still here. Might be with his, with his baby. But Jimmy went through, I think it was Hebrews, right? And he just read through the book a chapter of Hebrews and just shared about it the whole time. And it was one of my favorite days. So we're going to do that today. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So I want, as we're reading this, I want you to see, I want you to think about the people that he's talking about. Oh, she's so cute. Okay, say oh, oh, Jessica, you're amazing. We love you. Oh, I covet the day my wife can actually stay in service. Okay, Um, okay, verse one. Paul called an apostle. Now, I'm just going to stop and start, so just get used to it. Paul, uh, is that NESB? Yes? NIV? NIV? (laughs) Do you have NESB? I thought we did. What? I'll just change. I'll just change. I think that would be easier. It would be easier for me as I was sitting out there. All right, I'm going to go to first. It doesn't matter to me that much. All right, we're tracking? All right. All right, Paul, called to be an apostle of, G- of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosnes. Is- the- <laughs> Sorry. Lord be a comedian first. Okay. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people together with all those everywhere who call on the name our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, this is a letter that would have been read to the people in their meetings, right? That's important. And the whole thing would have been read, not just the part we're reading. They literally would have read the whole thing. And and this is Paul both encouraging them. By the way, well, uh, Let's keep going. I'll share more. Okay. Thanksgiving. Verse 4. I always thank my God for you because of this grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech, with all knowledge. That word enriched means really rich. It means filthy rich. It means extravagantly rich. Paul is saying, you guys, you have all that you need. You are wealthy, not money-wise, although maybe some of them were, but he's saying you've been enriched in every way. He's encouraging them. God, thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you wait eagerly, as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. I love what he's saying. He says, you don't lack any spiritual gift. You guys are you have all the spiritual fervency you need. Did you know that Corinth is probably, is probably more charismatic than we are? The Church of Corinth was the most well, they were not one of the most, but they were one of the most um, uh, uh, passionately charismatic, spirit-filled churches in the whole region. And so as we read this, Paul's talking about a spirit-filled community. And so they're passionate, and yet Paul's coming in and says, I've been hearing, I've been hearing some stuff. Chloe sent someone. We need to talk. This isn't what I taught you to do. But he's he's also encouraging me, saying, I love, I love that you're spiritually minded people. Don't lose that. Verse 8, he will also keep you. Firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. Say he's faithful. God is faithful. He who called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Come on. So he's he's encouraging them. I love this. He's about to drop a bit of a hammer though, so get ready. Verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters... In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions, say divisions, no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and in thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me (laughs) that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is, one of you says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos' YouTube channel, another, I I go to Cephas's church, and still another, I follow Christ. Aren't we amazing that we follow Christ and you don't? And so there was this boasting. It was a church that was full of pride. They were like, well, we follow Paul. we follow people we follow Cephas. We Apollos, he's very well spoken, don't you know? Well, we follow Christ. <laughs> But even in that, can you hear, can you hear the comparison, the division? Even as they say, you fall we fall Christ. We're the right ones. You're the wrong ones. You know, you can be wrong even in your righteousness. Paul says this, verse 13, is Christ divided? Meaning is the body, is Christ is the body? Is he divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. So no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I baptized the household of Stephanus and beyond that. I don't remember if I baptized anywhere else. That brings me hope. I forget much. Thank you, Paul, for being an example. Um, Verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize or only baptize. But to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Isn't that interesting that apparently because of this comment that it's possible to preach the gospel without the power of Christ. And Paul says, I, I've come to do something very important, to preach it with the power of Christ. Verse 18 you got to remember, the Corinthians, they were full of this stuff. It was, they, they revered and they idolized these philosophers of their day. I, I'm going to jump on a little rabbit trail here. This is, this idea of um, foolishness is, one, encouraging. Um, how many of you guys ever feel foolish following God? Anybody? If you don't feel foolish following God, I, you may not be following the right um, God, um, to follow him, it's, you get put in situations. You're like, why am I doing this? Why? They're going to laugh at me. They're going to laugh at me. Today, this morning, we were picking up our kids. Hallelujah. They're with their grandparents for the whole night. And, and, and we, wo- we go into, uh, we put this through this gate card. It was a new gate card I haven't met before. But if you know me, I love gate cards because they can't go anywhere. And, um, and I was like, uh, and I, as, I, as I'm getting ready to, to say, has anybody told you today that Jesus loves you? I had that thought. He's going to laugh at me. He doesn't care about Jesus. I mean, he's literally going to wade me through and give me a look or something. And I, it's foolishness to tell people about a God. They can't see. They can't. I, I don't even have time to sit and minister to him. But I felt like the Lord say, do this. But to, but to man, my, my own wisdom is like, Jesse, just keep going. He doesn't care. Right? And so I, I, remember, I remember Hugo. Man, that's such a good story. Hugo, wanted, his, one of his dreams was to, was to work at Fender. Which, by the way, he's gone today, but I was going to have him share uh, the ongoing saga of his Bible study that he started at, at Fender, which is blowing my mind. But Hugo... Th- this is, oh, so good, you guys. So we get to see the end of that, right? We get to see how this, the foolishness of God produced this fruit. Now, Hugo, if you don't know, now he's got like 40 people. I don't know, every time. But he's like, yeah, it's like 40 people have gotten to know Jesus. Something like that. I'll let him share the story. But that was now. And you're like, wow, what a cool idea to work a Fender and start a Bible study. That's so wise. But if you would back up to the beginning of this story... Hugo, he won't mind me saying this, but he comes to me and he comes to us at our staff meeting. We're just, we're sharing our dreams. And he says, one of my dreams is to work at Fender. I think he was doing substitute teaching or something at the time. And and, and he goes, it's it's just, it's silly because I don't have any experience. I've never worked on guitars for anybody. I've never had a job in this industry. It's just silly. I think we, I don't know if he had already started the process, but I think we encouraged him. And in the end, he ended up, he says, but I feel like I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to apply to Fender to be a master guitar maker. Isn't that fire? But it looked completely foolish to him because he had none of the qualifications. None of, he didn't know anybody on the inside. And so he goes in there. He makes copies. He literally takes pictures of all the guitars he's worked on. Goes to Kinko or some copy place, gets them all printed out, puts them in a folder, and goes to the, uh, <laughs> the interview. And I'm sure he felt a little foolish. But God was telling him to do it. But he was walking in the spirit the whole time. It didn't matter if it was foolish or not. And so he ends up getting hired. It was an amazing testimony. That alone. But then one day, I'm sure he thought, God's like, start a Bible study (laughs) at Fender. With all these guys that cuss and have tats and and play crazy music by their stations. Really? Yes, Yes, do it. So he does it with one guy. Hey, you want to study the Bible? We'll just do one verse and just talk about it for a while. (laughs) And guys, I'm blown away at how this just caught fire. See, it's the foolishness of the world that will put you in the right place. Because to us, it's not foolish, is it? So I drive through, the, I didn't finish my story, but I drive through the gate car and I said, hey brother, I didn't say brother. I, I, he bleaked my little, my, my little card and I was like, hey, and I'd never met him before. Has anybody told you today that Jesus loves you? <laughs> I just love saying that. He looks at me, he goes, yep. <laughs> he goes, yep, I'm a Christian. <laughs> and he just is a happy dude. And I'm like, Come on, I'm not the first. Nope, Jesus told me this morning that he loves me. And I'm like, let's go. <laughs> Dude, it looks so foolish now, does it? Come on. He's probably just like, there's others like me. Let's go. <laughs> Where was I? Come on. I'm serious. This excites me. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> oh. Oh. It's so cute is the Bible excites you. <laughs> I'm just playing it. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh. Listen, if you have a problem looking foolish before the Lord, uh, you're going to be okay. Uh, you'll get there. But I promise you the life lived in his foolishness is, it's exciting. It's fruitful. It's fruitful. All right. I think we're on like twenty, right? Where are we? Where is the? Yes, yes, yes. Twenty-one. Let's just go. All right. Where is the? For since verse twenty-one. For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know Him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demanded signs. Remember, the Jews kept asking Jesus, "Give us a sign, then." You're the son of all that. And he said, What did he say to the Jews and the religious people? I'm not giving you any signs except the sign of Jonah. Repentance. But amongst the Gentiles, he did all these miracles. Isn't that fun? Some people are like, well, he, Jesus didn't give him any signs. Yeah, because of you, prideful people. To the, to the poor and the needy. He, of course, I'm willing. Come here, get up and walk. All right, sorry. For the Jews demanded signs, and Greeks looked for wisdom. See, he, the Greeks in the crowd were looking for a wise, for a wise a testimony. Why do you follow this Jesus, man? Give me a philosophical report. <laughs> Prove to me that he's real. And your response is, well, then it wouldn't be faith. There's, um, oh, it's already 5.50, um, I just have so much fun. My time just gets away from me. You guys ever heard of um, deconstructing and deconstructing? Uh, that's a, it's a big trend right now uh, amongst, I don't know what age group, 30 and under, 26 and under. And I got to meet with someone that's deconstructing God this past week. And it's just it's great, great young man. I really love him. And he starts just telling me where he's at in the last couple months, he's been basically kind of taking different, he's like, well, this chapter shouldn't be in there, and this chapter, well, somebody said this chapter isn't real. And, well, someone said this chapter was plagiarized in Africa, and this chapter, and it's, have you heard of this philosopher, Jesse? Have you heard of this book? Have you heard it? And I'm sitting there going like, no, some of it, but I don't care. And what I was, as I sat and I listened, all I kept hearing is these philosophers, I keep reading about Jesse they make more sense. Because you know what happens? if Eventually, eventually, you guys, I'm just going to be real with you. Eventually, God's not going to measure up to the picture of God that you have. Eventually, he's, he's not going to look like you want him to. He's not going to fit in the box that you put him in. Have you guys come to that place yet? And so you have a choice, and and some people, they're choosing to find a reason why God should look different to them. And so they dive into these books that people have written about, about Christianity, either for or against it, and what they do is they begin to shift it just a little bit. Did God really say that? is he really like that? If he were really that good, would this have really happened this way? And then it just starts to make sense to you. You're like, and I I remember I've had friends, you guys, that were in ministry school with me. And there was just a moment when life got really hard. And they said, you know what? I'm going to try this without God and see what happens. And it started very innocently. Well, let me just try, let me just test the waters. You say living with God is so good. Doesn't feel good right now. So let me just let me just try man's wisdom. And so they just begin to go to a therapist that's not Christian and they start to tell you about how to have a happy life and what you really need and how do you really walk out of this season. I have over preached my stay. All the little ones are leaving. They're like, I'm out. And so I, I this kind of hit me as I was been. it's kind of fresh to me. It's this idea that that it's, it's the wise things of the world that are trying to draw you away from God. It's not, I mean, it'd be silly for the devil to come up and just tempt you with things that don't, don't sound good, right? Nobody's tempted to eat, I don't know, liver? I don't know. <laughs> I was gonna get graphic, but I gotta, I gotta stop doing that. I love the shock value. No one's <laughs> tempted with baby poop, right? I mean, that's, that's disgusting. <laughs> you're like, no, I don't want that, Satan. You get away from me. That's an easy temptation. Right? Like, here, let me shove some dirt in your mouth. No, <laughs> I'm not addicted to putting dirt in my mouth. <laughs> I'm addicted to putting Twinkies in my mouth. That's what I'm addicted to. <laughs> so the devil's going to come in and tempt you with wise thinking, with wisdom. No, no, don't. I like the interaction, though. It's better than no interaction. (laughs) Aw. You guys are coming alive, and I like it. Um, For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, verse 26, think of what you were when you were called. Think, when I was with you, think of what you were. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. I'm telling you guys, if you just hang in those hard places... If you just keep looking at him, he will look more attractive than anything else you'd ever seen. You guys ever tasted some of the things the devil tries to feed you? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I have too. How does it leave you? Right? Sick. Broken. With a bad taste in your mouth. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Remember these Corinthians, he's, he's admonishing them and saying, you guys have been boasting about which preacher you're following. And, oh, I've listened to this many sermons. or oh, i listened to all of Dan Moller's sermons. Oh, I did all of this. And you're like, stop it. The measure of your maturity is how you love not, not who you follow. You, you follow Christ. What's all this denominational talk? Not that denominations are horrible, but the inviting of denominations. Oh, they're not spirit-filled. I don't, I don't listen to any of their sermons. Bummer for you. The Lord pours out his wisdom on, on so many people that we have yet to listen to. So if you're just, if you're only reading Destiny Image, because you know it's a safety spirit filled uh, book, you know, publisher. (laughs) Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. But there's, there's so much, there's so much wisdom that God has poured out in people that you and I, that you and I might not think is worth the look. But it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Um, oh, the word does kind of just preach on its own, doesn't it? <laughs> I just, I feel like the... Um, There's something so powerful in in seeing God in the lowly, of seeing God in the the broken and the despair, the people that, I love Paul says, you weren't doing that well, and yet Christ saw you and he redeemed you. Why are you now trying to get notoriety and be one of the people that you always wished you were, right? I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I don't know about you guys. But being a pastor and stuff, we started this church. We, we literally had plans in place for when Justin Bieber showed up. I'm not even kidding you. We we literally had a security detail ready to go if Justin Bieber showed up. We had people say, "Did you know Justin Bieber was at was at the uh, uh, the Spectrum one day or something like that? He was seen there. He's probably going to come to our church. We should be ready." <laughs> <laughs> Don't laugh at me. Um, <laughs> there, there is something in us. Maybe it's because where we live, where we get excited about Jesus saving one of these influencers. Because then this thing's on, right? Right? Because that's that's what God's waiting for—one of these stars to get saved and to be His megaphone. That's the only thing we're missing right now. If we had more celebrities meet Jesus, more wealthy men and women tithing to the church, we would have a radical move of God. Come on, you guys! I mean, it's serious. This is what the church thinks. But Jesus here is saying, what if, what if all the homeless got baptized? <laughs> what if we prioritized the broken and the addicted ones? The ones that still had needles in their pockets. What if we went after those ones? What if we didn't care how big their wallet was? We just gave our life to serve them. Right? Because this is what he's saying. He's seeing this culture that's, that's, that's enticed by the money, the fame, the fortune, the notoriety. And he says, listen, this is, this is not about you. This is about recognizing that you are a weak vessel. And if you're going to boast in anything, let's go ahead and boast in the Lord. Because Paul said, I'm not coming here to preach with wisdom that shows you how strong I was. I tried it in Athens. There was no church planted in Athens. But he comes to Corinth and he preaches with humility and with a little debasement. He's like, I, I'm, who am I? But I preach Christ crucified in the power of the cross. Ah. Oh. I don't know what this means for you. I, to me, I can't preach without it being connected to you. But just, what's this mean for your life? What's it mean for you to boast in Jesus? Maybe, maybe you have to remember <laughs> that you were one of those people <laughs> that was lowly and broken before he found you. You ever think about what it would have been like if you weren't saved? I think about that sometimes. <laughs> <and> <laughs> I just, I, I think, honestly, I, I feel like I was kind of dull before. I feel like I'd be really dull as a 44-year-old without Jesus. I'd probably be doing a lot of wise things, and I'd be in a cubicle somewhere. Not that cubicles are wrong, um, but I, I, would be, I would be in a job that didn't light me up. But I would do it because it's wisdom. Anyway, I, I don't know. What, I don't know about you guys, but I. To me, this speaks to me about a humility of walking in the power of God, following what He says to me, no matter what I feel, foolishness or not. I think about Gideon hiding out, and in comes an angel of the Lord and says, "Gideon, Almighty Man of Valor." Gideon's thinking, "That's foolish." I'm the smallest of my family of the smallest family of the worst tribe, of the smallest in the region. By the way, my family is steeped in pornography and sexual immorality because we hold the Asherah poles in our family. Like, you got the wrong person. And and thank goodness, Gideon, (laughs) he stuck around long enough to realize who God is. Anyway, so put your hand in your heart right now. Why don't you stand with me? I, ending church with everybody sitting never works out well for me. <laughs> oh, how are you guys doing? Just speak to your heart? Yeah, bless me too. God, I, I, I bless our hearts, God. I bless our hearts and I pray, Lord, I pray for victory. I pray for victory over the wise things of the world, God. And I pray you'd speak to the foolish things. I pray you would become even more undignified in following Jesus. I pray that when the world looks at you, and, and like, like, like David's wife, Michael, or Michael for sitting on the window, thinking how foolish David is to dance in his undergarments, I pray that we would laugh at them and say, this is my Lord, I'm, I'm following him because I know that he's faithful. And so, Father, I pray for your faithfulness to be on every person here. And I'll I, I, do one last thing. It'd be better if there was a keyboard player, but I, I feel like God wants to do one last thing before we leave. So just keep your eyes closed, whatever. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands. But I feel like the Lord today, uh, I was hanging out with Phil this week, and we were reminded that, that Gideon came from a family that had idols. And it was when... It was when Gideon tore down the idol that they began to get called. He began to walk out his calling, and I felt like we're supposed to do that today. And I think I don't. I feel like some of the idols that come to my mind. I'm not trying to call people out, but they come to my mind is um, uh, the idol of money. Maybe have you been idolizing money and wealth and success? Another idol is is um, is uh, pornography for men and women. Is this an addiction? that you have not been able to get rid of for a year, for two years, for 20 years. By the way, they say pornography is a harder addiction to kick than cocaine. So if you need an encouraged word that it's been hard for you, I want to encourage you, it's not easy. But with Jesus, I know, I know, with Jesus, his strength is enough. And so I don't know what idol is is right now for you. Maybe it's eating disorders and food is an idol whether you love it or you hate it. But Father, I pray today, I want to pray for us right now that that this would be the day, September 16th. September 16th. This is a new year for us. The door of freedom is opening right now. Father, in your holy name, by your strength, by the foolishness of Christ on the cross that bought and paid for our freedom from every idol, every ideology, God, right now in Jesus' name we cast out all addictions right now. I just cast out all pornography. I cast off all sexual immorality. I cast all uh, the idol of mammon, of money. I cast off the, the, the idol of food. I cast off the idol of success and idolatry. In Jesus' name, would you fill us with your grace to say no, to have self-control, to have no more, uh, to, to break off all all. Um, all the uh, physical receptors that have been addicted to something, God, in Jesus' name. And we cast you out right now. Right now. And if that's you and you want to say, Father, right now. I don't care. I don't care if you've tried to quit smoking or quit drugs or marijuana like a thousand times. Today is the day. This is, this is the God we serve. Today is the day. His mercies are new right here, right now to heal you. I know I'm getting on this, but it's important. Where you're going, you can't take that with you. I want to say that over you. Where you're going, you can't take it with you. He has grace for all your screw-ups and your messes up. But where he wants to take you, he can't have your eyes beyond multiple idols. He wants to be the only one for you. So Jesus, we say yes to you. We say yes to you, God. Yeah. Amen? Oh, come on. I felt the Lord on that. Awesome. All right. Um, That's it. We got food out there. I don't know. We might need people. Can I get like three? Do we probably need...